is the Business of Reselling podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Oman. Hey, 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 it's episode 23, and I'm I'm super stoked about this episode because this week I get to tell you all about um, the big bulk sourcing trip uh, that we did on Vancouver Island a couple of weeks ago. Um, I want to do a whole episode about bulk buying, and I've talked about bulk buying as like one of the um, one of the important pillars of scaling up your reselling business. But I haven't devoted a whole episode into what it means, how you can do it, um, how we do it, um, and some of the pros and cons of bulk sourcing. So that's what I want to do today. Um, before we get started, don't forget to like and subscribe on YouTube. I'm going to be adding more video content there as well as reels and shorts detailing some of our picking and uh, inventory sourcing experiences. Um, so I'm starting to add more content there. So check it out at youtube.com slash at storage warrior podcast um, and make sure that you are getting all of the video content there as well as the episodes of this podcast. Um, this month, I thought it would be kind of fun to do a January month in review. Uh, so a lot of resellers do this. You know, they talk about some of their best sales of the previous week or previous month, um, how they did financially, you know, some of the reasons for it. Um, and I thought maybe it would be helpful for me to do that too. I haven't done that kind of content up until now. I feel like there's quite a lot of it out there. Um, but maybe you would find it interesting to just see sort of how um, our business is going and some of the sort of um, nitty gritty money details um, about about our little company. So I'm going to start with that today and then we'll get into the episode on bulk sourcing. So our January month in review, January 2023 was definitely not a good month and I didn't panic about it. I didn't want to worry too much. If you've listened to some of my previous episodes, then you know that I was fully expecting a decline in sales to happen, and I still think it could get worse uh, over the next few months. So we were about 25% down in January over the previous January, and it was disappointing, but really didn't surprise me at all. Uh, so on eBay, uh, we were net after fees and taxes and shipping and all that. We were net about 14000 US dollars. So about 25% down from the previous January. But we did make a few grand on other platforms, some local sales, uh, we got going on whatnot, had a few auctions there. Uh, we also sold on Bonanza, Poshmark. So we have a few other avenues that trickle in some money. But overall, you know, it was quite a bit less than we were used to making, especially over the last couple of years with the pandemic. But I thought that 2023 would be more like 2019 as far as sales, and so far that seems to drag. So January was looking pretty bleak for all of the sort of recessionary and inflation reasons, I think, anyways, that I've described in other episodes. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about my perspective on that, go back to episode five, which is um, successful selling during massive inflation, and you can hear some of the insights uh, I have into how you can do that. But one of the reasons as well that our sales were a little bleaker in January than normal is because we just weren't sourcing really good inventory. We were kind of grinding out the unlisted stuff that we have in the warehouse. There's still good stuff there. I mean, we keep it around for a reason. But, um, you know, our motivation was down because we weren't getting anything new and exciting. And we were just kind of like digging into old bins and going, oh, okay, well, here's a $30 thing and here's a $40 thing. 
let's go ahead and list that. A lot of it is more like long tail stuff that can take a few months to sell or even longer. Um, so we just didn't have that exciting inventory coming in that really drives quick, fast sales. Uh, best sales in January, we only had a few sales over $200, just a handful of things. Um, one of them was a bell we sold for about 240 uh, US dollars. The bell is kind of cool. Um, the bell was like, a, I think it was related to like military service or something. Um, and it came from a actually a, another pick we had done, not on the island, but up the Sunshine Coast about a year prior um, and had kind of been sitting waiting for the right buyer. But it was, a, yeah, it was a Navy retirement ship's bell, kind of like an award that would have been given to this person. And uh, we got two hundred over 240 US for that. So I was pretty happy with that sale. Uh, easy shipper, a uh, couple of comic lots. Um, but I think one of my favorite sales of uh, January was this Fujifilm FinePix digital camera, which wasn't like such an exciting item. But what I loved about it was that we acquired it for free. So since today's episode is about bulk buying, um, I'll tell you how we <laughs> sourced this camera among a whole whack of other things, which was in January, uh, I saw this ad on Craigslist that a strata, uh, strata condo building was doing their like free everything day where it's just a service they were providing for the strata members in a 130 unit complex for three or four hours that morning, anybody could come and bring in, down into their carport anything that they wanted to give away. Just get rid of, you know, like a decluttering kind of event. And then they were going to take it all away and donate it and trash what needed to be trashed and whatever. But to try and reduce the amount of stuff that they had to haul, they put this ad on Craigslist, come down and pick what you want. And we were like, oh, yes, we are definitely doing that. So we drove down and we were able to drive our truck right into sort of the driveway right in front of their carport. And just we just waited for like two hours as things came out out of the building and and we picked them and put them in the truck and we got like all these digital cameras and tablets which sold really fast and we got an air conditioner which is definitely going to sell in an instant once it gets hot this summer um all kinds of little cool little knickknacks some nice clothing new with tags michael kors shoes which i put on poshmark um it was just like a great little pick and everything was free so $222.15 US I got for that uh, Fujifilm FinePix camera it was one of the first things to sell out of that free pick. And I was absolutely stoked about it. Um, but, you know, other than that, January was pretty grindy. And it did start to get better after that little bulk source that we did because we got a lot of similar types of items. So, for example, there was a whole batch of like Lululemon stuff. So if you post a bunch of Lululemon stuff, you're probably going to you know, attract people who are looking for Lululemon and you're going to sell a bunch of it at once. Digital cameras, we had lots of those, a lot of electronics. We were sort of able to batch list things. Um, and by doing that, it always drives sales in that category. So we were really happy that it started to move some of our old inventory as well. They always find like sells like. So getting all of those electronics in, the new stuff sold fast and also our older stuff that I discount um, because it's been sitting around for a while was also moving. So January started to sort of get a little better at the end of the month. And I think that's one of the main reasons why. And February is looking a lot better. We're already up um, over, about 12% over January. And we still have a couple of days left in the month. Um, and that's due to that free pick and also due to what I'm going to talk about today, which is uh, buying two ginormous storage units uh, over on Vancouver Island. 
So that has helped our sales quite a lot in February, and we're still processing the inventory that we got there, which turned out to be really good. Um, and so those bulk buys really do help drive your sales um, when you're posting, you know, a lot of items at a faster pace. And especially if you batch listing things that are in kind of the same category, um, they will help. So I'm going to talk about that today. Um, that's mainly what the episode is going to be about. So I'm going to get into lots more details of that in just a minute. So if you're interested in more of these month in review type episodes, I would love to hear your comments. So please leave a comment on this episode on YouTube and let me know if you like this kind of thing, what you'd like me to talk about with regards to our sales and our financials. If you want me to do haul videos, you know, I'm kind of curious what, you know, what you want to hear from me. So that's just kind of my little update for January. And if you want to hear more, I'd be happy to share it every month. Just uh, let me know. Okay. So this week's episode is all about dealing and experiencing um, bulk buys or buying in volume. So I've been excited to get into the real details of what we did um, for a couple of weeks now. We've just been so busy with the sourcing that I haven't had a chance to do an episode. Um, I did do a quick reel, a short video on YouTube um, if you want to watch it. So don't forget to, describe to uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel to get all of those short videos. I will actually be making another one this week because we have another big sourcing trip planned for Thursday. Okay, so I'll tell you the brief story about what we did. So as I mentioned, we had struggled with um, acquiring good inventory in an appropriate volume for our size of business for quite some time. And uh, we have been trying to sort of get back into the storage auction game uh, relatively unsuccessfully because here locally, the online bidding drives the prices up to a point where you can't really guarantee a profit. And it's not worth taking the risk on things that you can't see at the prices people are paying for the lockers. So we had an opportunity here, and this is one that I'm going to keep a secret, but we had an opportunity to get these two storage units on the island. And they were huge. Uh, it was a 5 by 16 foot and an 8 by 20 foot, and both of them were pretty full, not absolutely packed, but, but pretty full units. Um, the risk being, of course, it's a storage unit, so you don't really know what you're buying. But not just that, the ferry to get over there is an hour and a half. Then you have to drive to the facility. Then you only have 48 hours to empty everything. You have all of your expenses of being over there for two days. Um, and then uh, over on the island as well, access to like all the various disposal facilities like recycling depots and the landfill and that is more limited in terms of the time and location of those places. And we also had no idea where they were. So, so we were a bit flustered by all of that. Um, but we decided to take the risk and we got these lockers for what we felt was a super fair price. Um, we enlisted some help from some of my family, paid help. I won't take advantage of them. <laughs> um, but we, uh, we enlisted some help so that we could get the labor done a little bit faster. And we decided to, um, to do this. And the way we did it was we drove my little car over on the ferry and then we were able to get a one-way truck rental on the island to drive back to Vancouver at a really good price. I think they have trucks that get over to the island due to moves and then they want to bring them back but it costs a lot. So if a customer is willing to take on the expense of bringing a huge 26-foot truck back on the boat, they'll give a really fair rental price. I, that's my theory. It was a really good price. Um, anyway, so that's what we did, and we went over on Friday afternoon, and we came back 
on Sunday night with our 26 foot truck. And so the lockers were good. We felt like we weren't taking a big financial risk based on what we could see in the units and our experience of buying them. And we were not disappointed. Um, one locker was far better than the other, had a lot of computer stuff and tools, but also like a, just a lot of really good, great inventory in there. Um, new stuff, modern stuff. The other one was more vintage -y. It was a lot more trashy. There were probably like 25 bins of Christmas stuff, which whatever, that was frustrating. Um, but we did luck out there, which was that there was a Salvation Army donation center, like a two minute drive. So all day long, I was just filling my car up with load after load after load of donate and bringing it to the Salvation Army and just doing loop after loop after loop. And at the end of the day, we brought them about 40 boxes out of the truck as well. They were a little overwhelmed, but they took it. So we were happy about that. Um, so it ended up being really successful. All in our expenses, labor, uh, truck, storage, food, ferry, all of it under $3,000. And we had made all of that money back and we were in the profit five days after we returned. So we were stoked. Um, we're good at this. When we buy storage units and when we buy stuff in volume, we have a process that we follow. We have like a keep pile, a donate pile, and a throwaway pile, and, and a recycling pile usually. And that's how we sort a locker. That's what we do. And then we just methodically, you know, we get rid of everything that's trash first and the recycling first so that we have less clutter. Then we do a big donate run and then we start sorting through the keep. Over on the island, wasn't that easy. So the transfer station closed 2 p.m. on Saturday, no access to it on Sunday. So we had no landfill to dispose of the garbage. And in the one unit, there was a lot. Um, Luckily, we had the donate facility, so that really helped. But one thing that happened was we ended up having to haul all the trash home on the ferry, which was too bad, and then dump it Monday morning in Vancouver. Um, you know, it was like 150 bucks or something for that. Uh, so a little extra expense, a little bit frustrating to have to load up and transport garbage. That's not, it's not fun. So this sort was a little bit different from our typical process that we follow. Um, a little bit more tedious. And so if we do this again, we'll be planning we'll be planning out access to the transfer station and everything a little bit better and maybe changing how we buy uh, and what we bid on based on that. I don't know. Um, but nevertheless, it was it was super successful and we're still making and we still will make lots and lots and lots of money on it. So that's kind of the story about what we did. And it's what made me think about doing an episode on bulk buys because they're so critical to scaling up. But um, they are a, they're, bulk buys can be risky and it can be a scary thing to venture into if you're a relatively small scale seller. So it can seem really overwhelming. And if you've never done it before, but you're trying to get to 10K a month or 100K a month or whatever, you have to be able to deal with higher volumes of inventory and you have to be able to do it efficiently and quickly, and that's absolutely critical. Now, first, let me define bulk buy or volume purchase. Yeah, we bought it five by 16 in an eight by 20 locker. It didn't actually fill the 26 foot truck, the stuff we took home, but you know, it was maybe like half or two thirds. We probably could have actually rented a smaller truck. Um, anyway, we know for next time, but that's volume to us, to our scale of business. To your scale of business, it can be something completely different. 
you may be a seller who sources, you know, 10 or 15 things a weekend at a yard sale or at the thrift store. And scaling up could mean sourcing 40 or 50 things. You know, that's that's a big step if you're a small scale starter uh, seller. So think about what a volume purchase would look like to you. You don't have to jump to buying eight by 20 storage units. You know, think about a, a place, a volume of new inventory that feels a little uncomfortable for you, but something you might be able to manage as kind of your first step. So define that for yourself when you, when you think about bulk buys, because there's lots of different ways to buy in volume. Um, and that's one of the reasons why bulk buys can be really scary. I mean, we got into volume purchasing from the get-go because we started with storage auctions. Our first purchase ever was a storage auction. I think it was a five by eight or maybe even bigger unit that we bought. And we were like, whoa, oh my gosh, it was really overwhelming. Um, not to mention it swallows up all of your available space. Lots of resellers work in small spaces, everything from a one-bedroom apartment up to like maybe a small house. We're fortunate we have a house, we have a corner lot, we have a garage, we have an empty basement, and we have a warehouse. So we have all of this extra space, but we're still bursting out of it. It's not enough. We could use like way more than we have. So just know that if you make a volume purchase, at least temporarily, it's going to swallow up some or all of your available space. When we emptied that 26-foot truck into our shop, it was it was asphyxiating. Like the shop was like, where is it? It was boxes to the ceiling. There was a mattress. There was a sectional couch in there. It was like, oh, this is a lot. So our process is get rid of the biggest, bulkiest things first. So the first things that go up are the furniture items at fair blowout prices, I think. And we ended up getting $700 for the sectional within about four days. So that was fantastic. We still have not sold the mattress. It's really nice. It's like a memory foam. It's in perfect condition. Someone will buy it. Anyway, that's that's the goal is to get rid of that big bulky stuff first so that you can breathe, so your space can breathe again, so you can breathe again. So bulk buys can be scary for that reason. Um, there is the expense on top of the cost of inventory. You don't always know every single item that you're going to be buying in a bulk purchase. You have some idea, but there's a lot of mystery. So you're putting some money down. You don't exactly know what you're getting. As well, in our case, we had the expense of going to pick it all up, which added quite a lot to the actual cost of the units. We also had a problem that I already mentioned, which was dealing with sorting and disposal in an unfamiliar area. So going out, venturing out and traveling to purchase is risky for those reasons. Your usual access to the facilities you need to deal with the, the stuff that you're not going to sell is limited or it's just information you don't have so it makes it harder um traveling to purchase when you don't know what you're getting it's like adventures but kind of scary and you're also there's also an opportunity cost to that because we could be at home dealing with our current unlisted inventory we could be cleaning up the shop we could be not working at all <laughs> just relaxing and taking some time off which we haven't done in a while uh, and on top of all of that, the physical toll on your body when you're buying in bulk like this can can matter a lot. We don't all have the same levels of physical ability. And that's something that that could be a limitation that you have to manage as you're trying to scale up your business. Um, for us, we're very physically capable. But I tell you, it's been over two weeks and I'm still dealing with back problems from from that. And like 
you know, I'm not old. I'm not young. I'm not as young as you guys think I am, but I'm not old either. And it hurts. So there's all of these pros and cons and all of these kinds of scary things about buying in bulk and buying huge volumes of inventory. Um, and so I encourage you, if you're thinking about buying more volume to scale up your business, you know, think about those things and what level of risk you're comfortable with that you feel like you can manage. Um, but allow yourself a little bit of discomfort. Allow yourself a little bit of fear to take that that small risk or that small step. And then next time, take a bigger step. And next time, take a bigger step. And work out your processes and your systems every time you do it. You've heard me talk about how important it is to have systems in place to deal with inventory. The When you buy in volume, you're forced to test those systems to see how well they work. Um, so our process, like I said, is get rid of the biggest, bulkiest items first, blow them out. I don't care if I get market value for those things. Usually I'd rather they, them just not be in my space. And then we start going through you know, a box one at a time, and we do the keep giveaway, throwaway piles there in the warehouse, which was actually really hard because we had no room to spread things out because the shop was totally swallowed. So it was actually like, it felt a bit stressful to just have to have everything all over, but just the knowledge that we were, this is the process we had to go through. And in a few days it would start to ease up, um, kind of helped deal with a little bit of that anxiety. Um, but we still did load after load after load to Value Village. Um, we had a couple more dump loads that we had to do uh, with the truck and lots and lots of recycling that we ended up bringing home with us because we just didn't have the time to do the full sort there on the island. So going through and setting things aside. So the process we used was Johan would like, he would open a box, spread everything out. And then the stuff that we knew, like the low hanging fruit, things that we knew were ready to process and photograph already right away, they get put on the photo side, then I was doing the photoing and putting them away. And we were just kind of going through that pace all week, all week. That's what we did 40 hours of all of that. And then the shop just starts swallowing things up. Because we have our bins, we have our skews, we have our shelves, we know where things are supposed to go. We've got we've got some space in those areas. So we're just filling it up. We're filling up the bins, we're tucking things away, we're putting it corners, we're skewing stuff. And then the back of the shop, which is all where all the listed inventory in is, you know, it just kind of stuff just disappears back there and it's gone. Ah, so nice. And then because we got such good inventory and it started selling so quickly, it went into those spaces and right back out again, creating more space for us to continue with our processing. Um, it was hard work. We worked more hours than we usually do in a week, but that's just, you know, that's how it is. And it's exciting, right? Because you're getting so much cool stuff and there's the discovery and there's also a feeling i i think of satisfaction um as you see the space ease up and the boxes go away and your workspace gets back to something a little bit more normal so storage auctions are one way that you can source in bulk and you may be thinking well that's not you know i'm not capable of that or that's not for me or they don't do auctions in my area what else can i do jess there are lots of different ways that you can source in higher volumes. Um, some people do Amazon returns. I'll just talk about a few and a couple of the pros and cons that I'm aware of. Some people like to buy Amazon returns. They can come on pallets or they get sold at auction or whatever. I 
can't comment a lot on this because I personally haven't done it. It's not big in Canada, although some, some people do do it here. I know that there's a risk of items being broken, um, used, you know, returned, used. Um, and so you can get a palette of things that look like they're going to be great inventory. And then as you get through box after box, you find problem after problem. So I guess if you were going to dabble in that, my suggestion would be to make sure you're not paying a lot. And that way you can at least extract value out of the, you know, small percentage of things that aren't broken. And then maybe if it's electronics and stuff that can actually be sold for parts, even if it's not working, then maybe that can make uh, Amazon returns a worthy investment. Uh, some people have started to purchase from other resellers. Um, we've heard about, most of us have heard about Whatnot by now. I really like Whatnot. I think I, I want to figure out how to be really successful as, at it as a seller. But a lot of um, sellers are purchasing on Whatnot because there are so many sellers on the platform and maybe the buyer balance is not really there yet. So some of the prices are really low. You can get good deals on inventory that way. And then some resellers, especially um, influencers with a very large following, are doing like these reseller bundles. So it's stuff that they're not going to sell and they'll bundle it up and sell it at a really cheap price to another reseller. And there's also wholesale, which is kind of a, a platform for doing that. Um, wholesale is where sellers can sell like a bundle of similar items for a given price. And, and then you can get it as a reseller and, and sell it individually and make your money that way. So it's a pretty cool service, actually, for, um, for that only available in the United States right now. Um, pros and cons to that. Well, pros, hopefully if, if the, um, influencer reseller is a person who has good integrity, they're selling you decent product, right? But there's also a reason why they chose not to resell it themselves. So it could be long tail, takes a long time to sell. It could be just relatively low value for the amount of effort that's required to put it in to get it listed for sale. Um, so the time investment for them is not worth it. So you have to decide, is the time investment for you going to be worth it? Because we're all different. We have different lifestyles. We have different monetary needs. We have different commitments in life. You know, what doesn't work for one reseller can work really well for another, but it's just something to consider if you want to purchase in volume from other resellers. Um, auctions, auctions can be good. And again, huge variation in how those can work from place to place where I live. Auctions are not a great place to source because things tend to go for retail prices or more. Um, so we don't, we don't do auctions other than our attempts at storage auctions, which again, usually fail estate clearouts. So this would be like going to, going to an estate sale. You can buy in volume, right? You can end up with a whole truckload of stuff. We've done it lots of times, but if you, Go to these sales at the end, whether they're privately run or company run, you may, depending on how it's operated, have an opportunity to buy out everything that's left at the end and just clear out the entirety of what remains at that estate sale. So you might be able to get something at a, get these items at a really good price because at that point, the seller has a vested interest in getting the space empty as fast as possible. And they don't necessarily want to do the work of clearing everything out. So you may be able to get things for an extremely low price or even for free um, just to spare them the time and expense of having to empty that space themselves. So I like to think of space as money. 
Um, and there are so many places where people would prefer to have their space back than have more money or make more money. So you can actually get stuff that people are just willing to get rid of so they can have their garage back or their storage space back or their spare bedroom back or whatever it is. So thinking about that trade-off and the value of the space to the person can give you an opportunity to buy a whole pile of things um, for a really great price. Um, another way we sometimes source in bulk is just by advertising. We use Facebook ads um, and online classifies, classified ads to try and purchase specific types of items like diecast cars and comic books. And we have very efficient and fast processes for getting those types of items photoed and listed. So we really like to buy those large collections when we can. Um, and so if you advertise that you buy larger collections of some specific thing, you know, you can say in your ad, you won't buy any less than a collection of any less than 25 items, or you won't buy a collection of any less than 500 items, like whatever level you're comfortable with to try and attract the type of person who's going to sell you that amount. And we've had reasonable success with those ads. Facebook ads are not free. We've had to put time investment into that. Um, but it's worked out enough for us that I think it was worth the money. Um, and then you can actually, the, the advantage of that is that you're getting, um, you can advertise for items that you really know a lot about. So if you have categories that you're really good at and really knowledgeable in, that sourcing in volume in those categories is kind of a great way to start scaling because you're already really comfortable in that category. So buying more of it is just doing more of a thing that you are already really good at. So lots of different ways to bulk source. And I encourage you to think, um, if you're interested in scaling, think bigger than you're currently, whatever you're currently doing. But you don't necessarily have to like leap over a giant fence, right? You can just take a couple of steps, see how that feels, adjust your processes for reselling, um, get comfortable there, and then jump again. Um, you don't have to put your back against the wall the way that we do. It works for us, but I absolutely respect that it will not work for everybody else. Uh, so we're doing it again uh, soon. Next week, we're taking more fairies. We're going to get a big collection. It's secret what it is, um, but it is a five-figure investment for us. Um, we are so excited and also really nervous, but we're getting some inventory that is hard to get. Um, that's going to make our store look fantastic. Uh, and I can't wait to share with you what it is. So I'll do another short video on it when we go and probably at least part of an episode on um, what we bought, why we bought it and what we're doing with that inventory. So that's coming up. But next episode, I want to discuss limiting beliefs. And I think that kind of ties into today. A lot of us uh, limit ourselves from scaling up our businesses because we're afraid of what sourcing and volume could mean as far as workload or space and all the other things that I've discussed. Um, and I think that that to some extent, although I acknowledge that some restrictions to, to growth are real and need to be addressed, a lot of times it's limiting beliefs. It's being afraid of growth and afraid of success. And so I kind of want to dive into some of that and discuss some of my own blockers and limiting beliefs around hiring people, around taking on bigger marketing projects, um, and thinking small about money, which are all kind of things that I think have limited our success in our business. 
Um, call to action for you today is what's holding you back from making a bulk buy or what's the largest purchase you've ever made and how did you process it all? Um, listeners would be interested in your tips, um, your most successful bulk buys, a little bit of inspiration um, for purchasing in bigger volume going forward. So don't forget to subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcast, podlink.com slash business of reselling for that. Um, and on YouTube dot com slash at storage warrior podcast make sure to like subscribe and leave your comments there a few articles and resources for you in the show notes uh other than that we'll catch you next week bye bye <laughs>